Our lesson this afternoon is simply entitled, Get Wisdom. It comes from Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 9. I'd like to read these verses, if you'll follow along in your Bibles, as a way of introduction. Here in Proverbs 4, starting in verses 1, it says, Hear, my children, the instructions of a father. Give intention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. He says, Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all of your getting. Get understanding, exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. And so for just a little while, I want to talk about wisdom. In fact, we're going to talk about an incredibly wise woman found in the book of Ruth. And uh, you'll understand by the end of my lesson why I chose these words out of Proverbs to introduce my lesson. But we're going to talk about Ruth. We're going to talk about wisdom and how important it is in our life and how she demonstrates to us some of the greatest wisdom that I think, besides Jesus Christ, that we can find. But before we do, we have a privilege in prayer. We ask you to humble yourself in some manner as a brethren selected towards our prayer. If you will turn your Bibles over to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, I would like to start by reading the first uh, few verses to really give us this idea and to start talking about Ruth and the wisdom that she demonstrated through her life. Honestly, there's a great wealth of information that can be said and talked about when it comes to wisdom. And it comes to really knowledge that we understand and understanding how to apply it in our lives. Really, that's what wisdom is. It's knowledge that we understand how to apply it in our lives effectively. And I think Ruth's a great example of this. So if you're turning your Bibles... We'll start in Ruth, the first chapter. I would like to read the first five verses. It says, Now it came to pass in the days of the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. The name of his two sons were Malion and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. They went to the, uh, to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Also she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Melion and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. And so really, the, the book of Ruth starts in a very sad way. It starts in the time of the judges. Now, I'm really starting to get a grasp of the Old Testament for the first time in, in my, my Christian life. And you start reading the period of the judges, the more you read and the more you understand, the worse it gets. It's crazy how far God's people went off the beaten path. I mean, it, it amazes me. And so you got to remember, it happened in the time of the judges. A very bad time. And the second that we find in the beginning of Ruth, in this book, that it started during a famine. 
Now, I started thinking about what a famine was. We just had a pandemic. To me, that was a famine. I couldn't get in certain things at the grocery stores. I have a picture. I'll never forget this. I hope you don't. Uh, of Walmart looking down a shelf, and there was nothing on the entire aisle. And I thought to myself, man, surely this is no famine, right? I mean, to us it might seem that way, but that's not what a famine is. So a famine is something that um, people die from. That's what a famine is. It's where you literally have no way to provide for your family or for yourself. There's no food. There's no way to feed yourself, let alone someone else. That's a famine. When you go days and days and days without food. Now, I'm a big fellow. Let me tell you, I've done some fasting lately, doing keto. It's hard. I'd encourage you one day to try to fast for 24 hours. Let me know how that turns out. It's hard. And the Bible says that this began in the judges in the period of a famine. And so this man um, had decided, you know, a limit had decided that I'm going to take my wife and I'm going to take my children and I'm going to go over to Moab. Now that in itself was a really poor decision on his part, right? I mean, he's really moving away from God's people. He's moving away from the comfort of all the things that he knows. But most importantly, he's going to a place that doesn't worship God. And so he makes this decision, I would imagine, uh, based off there's no food. And so he gets up and he goes over to Moab. Now, how sad it is for us when we make decisions in our life. And I've heard many people talk this way. You know, I want to move here, or I want to move there, or I want to do this. There is great wisdom and understanding and considering God first in our life. Moving somewhere where there's no church or moving somewhere where we have to drive four hours to go to church is probably a very unwise move. But this man did that. And so what happened is he died. His two sons decided not to marry godly women, but to marry ungodly women at first. And so we find this story kind of goes on that her two sons died. And now there's this woman named Naomi. There's a woman named Orpah and a woman named Ruth. What are they to do? It's not like today's society where you can kind of just pick up and, you know, a, a widow can get a job in our society. That wasn't like this back then. No, back then, a, a widow, man, that was a hard, hard, hard life. And so this woman, Naomi, this mother, with her two daughter-in-laws, uh, starting in verses 6 through 18, decides, you know what? I'm going to go back home to Bethlehem. I'm going to, after 10 years or however long they were there, I'm going to go home. So she decided that uh, that was her uh, new path. But something happens. And this is really where the story starts to come to life. Naomi decides that she doesn't want to bring her two daughter-in-laws. And so a conversation begins to happen between uh, these people. And Naomi's uh, going back and forth. Go back to your people. There's no hope for you. In fact, listen to what verses 11 says. I find this uh, uh, unimaginable that this is her logic. She says in verse 11, uh, verse 11, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb? 
that you may be, be your husbands? As if there wasn't other men in the world to marry. She says, look, there's no prospects for you where I'm going. Go home. In fact, we find in verses 14, um, they lifted up, the, uh, lifted up uh, their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And so Ruth, uh, uh, Orpah decided, I'm going to go home. And so she makes that journey back to her parents, to the people she knows, and to the life that she's had her entire life. But Ruth did something different. She clung to, to Naomi. So two things we can learn from this little lesson here. Number one, Naomi was blaming God. You read the rest of the, this chapter and kind of the beginning of chapter two. What was happening is Naomi was blaming God for all of her problems. Have we ever done that? Thought to herself, well, man, God's punishing me because that's what she thought. God's doing this to me because that's what she thought. You know what happened? She allowed Satan in. And she was going through a really rough time since she had nobody around her to help her. How sad that is, right? There's a few verses I'd like to read on this idea. James 4 and 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. There's truth to that. If we will simply submit to God's will and do what he says, Satan will run from us, the Bible says. But there's a second side to this I'd like to talk about. It's found in Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if any man is overtaken and trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Shame on us when our brothers and our sisters in Christ are going through troubling times and we don't help them. Shame on us that we aren't trying to get ourselves right, that we may be able to help one another. We're not doing it out of arrogance. We're not doing it out of superiority. No. We help one another because we understand that we need help as well. And so when our brothers and sisters allow Satan in, we need to be there to help them. And when we're on the receiving side of that, we need to, we, we need to understand that people are saying things because they love them. Now, there's a flip side. See, Ruth had the opposite idea. Listen to her response when her mother-in-law told her to go back. Ruth says in verse 16 of chapter 1, But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord do to me and more also of anything but death parts you and me. See, Naomi wanted Ruth to go back. And if you go up one verse, the latter part of that verse says you, she wanted her to go back to her gods. To false people. To false gods, that is. And Ruth said no. She put her foot down. You know what Ruth did? She followed God no matter the circumstance. Now, that's a hard thing to do. Think about this. She left mother. She left father. She left the entire world she knows. For all intents and purposes, she moved across the universe. It was a long journey. By foot, she left everything to follow God. What wisdom that we can follow Luke 14.33, uh, yeah, Luke 14.33, so likewise, whoever you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
If we are not willing to give up everything this world has, we cannot be the disciples of God. There should be nothing to stand between us and worshiping God. I don't care if that's your mother. I don't care if that's your father, your brother, your sister, your friends, your loved ones, no matter what. Nothing should stand between you and God. And what a beautiful example Ruth showed. Our story moves on into really the end of this chapter, uh, verse 19 through 22. They decide that they return to Bethlehem. And so Ruth follows her mother-in-law back. It was the time of barley. We move into really the second chapter. They find themselves now into Bethlehem and the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. And now they're at a dilemma. What are they going to do for food? What are they going to do uh, for daily living and things like that? They had nothing. So Ruth says, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. In the second chapter, uh, in the second verse, uh, so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go, um, go to the fields and glean heads of grain after him in whom sight I may find favor. So Ruth didn't sit around and say, oh, woe me. Oh, look at all my problems. She didn't wait around for somebody else to lead her to this or to do this for her. No, she said, I'm going to solve my own problems. That's a lesson that you and I can learn. Sometimes we need to stand up and solve our own problems instead of waiting around for something else to be done. And what she was asking to do was not easy. Now, I've never picked cotton. I've never picked barley. But I have picked cherries. I spent one summer picking cherries. After work, it was the worst experience of my entire life. People who pick cherries, if there's anybody in here or have ever worked in the field, kudos to you because that is some hard work. I have never hurt so much in my life than trying to keep up with these 60-year-old men picking these cherries faster than you can ever imagine. And she was asking not just to pick cherries, but to bend over and pick wheat. She solved her own problems. That's a lesson for you and I to learn. There's great wisdom in that. Not waiting around for others. Our story continues on. And now in verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, she finds herself in the field of Boaz. Now, she didn't know it at the time, but Boaz will come to be a family member. But at this time, it doesn't indicate to me that Ruth understood that this man had any relationship to her at all. And so she goes to this field and she does what she does. She works. She's solving her own problems. She's trying to provide for her mother-in-law and for herself. So there's no indication of the story that Naomi was doing anything. But Ruth was. And so Ruth was in this field and she was going at it. She was working and Boaz basically came to her or came to one of her, his servants and said, who's that woman? I haven't seen her before. The servant basically told her, told him, well, that's Ruth. That's the Moabite that came back with Naomi. He says, I've heard of her before. I know a little bit about her. So what does he do? He calls Ruth over. He says to her, and it has a conversation, verses 8 through 13, there's a small conversation that happens back and forth. Boaz basically says, you know, uh, don't worry about going to other people's field. Be like one of my maidservants. 
In other words, going to the middle of the field. See, gleaning was this idea on the edge of the fields. In the Old Testament, this was a law. That the poor, the widows, and things like that, the needy, would be able to go to these fields, on the edges of these fields, and pick food. And it was so that God was basically taking care of the homeless and the widows and things like that. That's what Ruth was doing. He said, don't do that. Go in with my, uh, my maidservants and pick in the middle of the field. He goes on. He says, you know, my servants that went and drawn the water, drink of that water. Now, that doesn't sound like a big thing to you and I, but go take a five-gallon bucket, fill it up with water, pick it up, put it on your head, put it on whatever you want, and try to carry it a half a mile, and you'll understand what it means to draw water. And so it's a labor-intensive thing. He says, don't worry about that. Drink of that water. In fact, he invites her to dinner. When Naomi, or when Ruth heard all this, she fell on her face and said, why? Why would you do this for me? I don't understand. And the verses 11 answers here and says that I know your works. See, there's a key thing in this little part of the story. Ruth was known by her works. Remember this morning we talking about that idea? We are known by our works. And so was Ruth. Luke 6, 43 through 45, particularly uh, the latter part of that verse, it's chopped off here. Sorry, this is the uh, first time I've given this lesson on the tablet. That verse is chopped off. Um, but the idea is um, that we are known by our fruits and how true that is. Uh, Matthew uh, 7, 16, you will know them by their fruits, the Bible says. Do not men gather grapes? of uh, thorn bushels, of figs from the thistles. Uh, so Ruth was known. Sorry, my notes all messed up here. Um, <laughs> my wife's laughing at me. She's the one who wrote this up for me. So, <laughs> so um, Ruth was known by her works. We should be known by our works. When we go to our barbers, some of us women don't go to the barbers, but when we go as men to the barbers, people cutting our hair know that we're Christians. Women, men, when you go out in our community, do people recognize us as Christians? See, if we're known by our works, people will know that we are Christians. That's the point of not being rude or behaving unseemly. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 was talking about this morning. We should be known by this world and by our actions. And Ruth was known by her actions. And so because of this, Boaz says, don't worry about it. Come and have dinner with me. And so as she was eating, she left, and he went to his uh, foreman and said, Hey, look, what I would like you to do is I would like you to drop some bundles. And when Ruth picks them up, don't say anything, let her do it. So he furthered this blessing, if you would, because he knew Ruth and the works that she did. And so he, she had dinner, verses 14 through 17. There was a dinner uh, that Ruth attended with Boaz and all the servants. And so Ruth uh, returns um, and tells Naomi everything. She goes back home, tells her mother-in-law everything, all that had been done. And so something changes. In the latter part of verses, uh, chapter 2 there, something changes. And Naomi, for the very first time, realizes something. If we follow God, 
good things happen. And so what happened is she realized and it clicked for the very first time that she had close relatives and there's something that can happen in the Old Testament that doesn't happen today. It's called rede uh, the redeeming. Meaning that if you were married to a woman and this husband died, the closest kinsman would marry this woman to bring up children to keep his name alive. That's something that we don't really do in our society, but it's done back in this day. In fact, it was a command. And Leviticus, the 19th chapter, talks about how this whole system worked. And so she makes plans. She says, okay, I got this. I know what we need to do. For the first time, Ruth in this story comes to her senses. It takes almost to chapter 3 for her to do, or sorry, Naomi comes to her senses, and it takes almost to chapter 3 for it to happen. She says, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do, Ruth. I'm going to make plans with you. I want you to go to Boaz. Now, it was customary at that time when, when the owner of a land was, was going through harvest that he would lay around the grain basically to keep off robbers. I want you to find where he lays. I want you to go to him. And I want you to uncover his feet. I want you to lay down, and you'll find out all that's going to happen. Now, that's kind of what's being said here. right? There's not too much information. Maybe she had questions. The Bible doesn't give us any of that. But Naomi comes to her senses. And um, Ruth agrees. Starting in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Ruth agrees to this. I will go to Boaz. I will lay at his feet in the middle of the night. I will uncover his feet. And uh, I will hear what he has to say. Now, I want to pause right here. I've heard and read in some commentaries that there was some funny business going on here. I, I, I'm here to tell you that there wasn't. First of all, we understand that Boaz was an incredibly a godly man. Ruth was an incredibly godly woman. Naomi was not asking for any funny business to take place here. This was not done in an inappropriate way. But Boaz would get the hint, if you would, of what was about to happen, of what Naomi was uh, asking Ruth to do. So Naomi, uh, Ruth agrees to this and says, I'll do this. There's a lesson to be learned in this. Listening to wise counsel. Sometimes we are told to do things by our parents and by our loved ones and by fellow Christians. And sometimes we don't understand why they're saying it. And we don't want to listen to it. We don't want to follow it. But let me tell you, there is wisdom in listening to wise counsel. And so Ruth could have argued. She could have fought. She maybe had an idea of what was about to happen. She says, well, no, I want to marry some young person. She, she could have argued, but she didn't. She listened to wise counsel. And I think that's important for you and I to listen to wise counsel when it is given. No matter how young, no matter how old we get, somebody can give us wisdom. Let me tell you, some of the worst decisions I ever made in my life is I didn't listen to people. And I'm sure you can have a similar story in your life. Listening to wise counsel is important. So she goes to Boaz in the middle of the night. She does exactly as Naomi said. He uncovers the feet, lays down, and uh, Boaz, as you would imagine, wakes up with a woman at his feet and is absolutely alarmed. Now, because Aaron Newman is, isn't here, I'm going to throw him under the bus because uh, this reminds me of that. When he first got married, his first night, he woke up in the morning and rolled over and there was a woman in his bed and he literally flipped out. 
He, he had a small panic attack because he didn't know what was going on before he woke up fully and realized it was my wife. And so I'd imagine a very similar thing happened here. He was startled. And when he woke up and when he came to his senses, he knew. He knew what was going on. And he says, okay, I get it. You want me to redeem you and to redeem the land that you have. And so uh, really in... Um, uh, chapter 3, 6 is through 15, he says, I want you to go back home. I want you to, well, first of all, I want you to spend the night, and in the morning I want you to go back home, and I'll settle this matter. And so him being a, a man of wisdom, a man that didn't want anyone to get the wrong idea, he says in the morning he, he kind of took some grain and gave it to her and said, go home so nobody gets the wrong idea. There's no funny business going on here. So she goes home and tells her mother-in-law everything that has happened. And so what does Boaz do? He does what a godly man does. He gets up and takes care of business. That's something you and I can learn from this story. That we should not put off tomorrow what needs to be done today. We should not procrastinate on our faith or on our religious duties. We should get up and do what is necessary when we need to do it. And so Boaz gets up early in the morning. And uh, really this starts in uh, chapter 4. And this begins the first 12 verses of chapter 4. And so Boaz goes to the gate he grabs the man that's uh, closer to kin than he was. See, he told Ruth that there's somebody closer in relationship. He couldn't redeem her because there was somebody that could do it before he did. That was part of the law there in Leviticus. So he goes to the gate and he says, look, Naomi has some land to buy. Do you want to buy it? And he brought these uh, wise men or elderly men of, of ten men at this gate, as was customary at that time. And he said, what? Do you want to buy it? The man was pretty excited. The Bible doesn't name who this man was. There's a little bit of information there we won't go into. But um, <clears throat> this man says, yeah, I'll buy it. He says, but if you do, you have to marry Ruth. He says, nope, I can't do that. If I do, I'm going to ruin my inheritance. I don't know how that would work out, but apparently he thought so. He says, you know what, Boaz? Go ahead. You can take... This um, the redemption can do this. And so Boabs does exactly as a wise man does. He bought the land as was uh, commanded by God in Leviticus. He married Ruth. And in fact, we find in uh, verses 13 through 17 that they had children. So Ruth and Boaz got married and had children. There's another lesson that we can learn through this story, and that is to marry a wise partner. I see in the room there are very few younger people who are married, but there is great wisdom in counseling younger people to marry somebody who's wise. Now I'll get to the end of my story of why that's so important. When I wrap this lesson up, you'll understand why, out of everything that is said here this afternoon, this is the most important thing. Marry a wise partner. And so they have children. And there was great blessings uh, that they were given. And really this story concludes in Ruth chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, with the genealogy of Ruth and Boaz. So let me wrap this story up for you. 
and why it's important to marry a wise partner. Why it is important to have wisdom in our families and in our households and with our loved ones. You remember in the very beginning we read out of Proverbs? Think about this for just a moment. The father of Solomon who wrote that, uh, that letter, that poem, was David, a great king that was the descendant of Ruth and Boaz. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, the Bible says, was the descendant, the great-grandson of Boaz and Ruth. Do you see what happens when wisdom prevails in our family? It changes things. Things happen. And it's not negative, I can promise you that. It's positive. Now let me add one more little twist to the story of why wisdom is so important in our lives. The great, 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 I don't know how many greats, I probably should have calculated it, but great, 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 great grandson was born Jesus Christ, the greatest man to ever live. Came from Boaz and Ruth's family. That's what wisdom does. That's what marrying a wise partner does. That's what having understanding and how to apply it in our life does. Big things and big changes happen. I hope that we can learn a few things. There's a great wealth of things that I skipped and a lot more notes that I have on this. But honestly, Ruth was a wise woman who married a wise man who made wise decisions. Let's follow their pattern. Let's not be like the people of this world and be unwise. Let's follow God. Let's do his will. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you haven't taken those steps to make that wise decision to become a Christian. I beg you to do it. Don't put off tomorrow what you should be doing today. Follow Ruth's example. Forsake everything to follow after Christ, to have that hope on high. Today, if you would like to be buried in baptism for the remission of sins, we'd like to help you with that. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.